Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you study more efficiently, land the jobs you want, and basically make your college experience better. And most episodes of this show honestly have a focus. They have a uh, specific thing they want to teach you, and that's generally, for the most part, what I want to do with the show. This episode with my friend Adam Clark from the Gently Mad podcast is not like that. Um, Honestly, it would be pretty hard for me to package up everything we talk about in this episode. So what I'll tell you is that this is a conversation between two people who think a lot about a lot of things. And we go over just the value of work and what to do when things get really hard, how to decide whether to quit or not quit. Um, a lot of the conversation revolves around happiness and feeling satisfied and this uh, compulsion we have to, I guess, upgrade our lives and uh, inflate our lifestyles and whether or not that actually makes us happy and whether or not that uh, and whether or not, you know, life gets better as you go forward. Or, or I guess if there's like this just this corner you have to turn and uh, once you turn that corner, if life just all of a sudden gets better. So. You know, I don't want to ramble too much because this is a pretty long episode, but um, I guess the one thing I will say is I think personally this is a good episode to listen to. There's a lot of good value in it, but it's very tough for me to package it and put a neat little bow on it. So if you have the patience for it, I think you'll find it rewarding. It's uh, an awesome conversation. Adam's an awesome dude. And his show, The Gently Mad, uh, which you can find over at avclark.com is quite similar to what you'll find in this episode, actually. He talks to people who are most often entrepreneurs, but sometimes not. But he doesn't talk too much about tactics and strategy and how people built their businesses. He talks more about the things that they value and basically the things that they're concerned with. And a lot of, uh, I don't know, raw raw philosophical conversation comes out of it more than uh, I see in a lot of other podcasts. And for that reason, I'm a huge fan of his show, um, I'm going to be on his show actually today, so if you enjoy this episode, you can go over to avclark.com and listen to my interview on his podcast, which coincidentally ended up being a bit more about business. This is the much more philosophical of the two, so hopefully you enjoy both episodes. You can find the show notes for this episode at cigpodcast.com over at the episode 55 link, I believe. Yeah, that's basically it. I have a book. If you haven't read my book on getting awesome grades yet, you can find that over at collegeinfogeek.com slash book. And you can email me questions at thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. If you have anything about college or or finances or whatever it may be, uh, send it over to me. So yeah, this is a really fun interview. I did it um, actually three days before this is going out. I just got back from New York. So if you didn't see a video on the YouTube channel last week, that's why I was in New York and things were absolutely crazy. And I'm sure that Andrew and I will discuss it more on the Money Matters podcast. But that's it for this intro. So enjoy the interview. All right, dude. Well, welcome to my very casual but 
show that has an introduction <laughs> unlike <laughs> yours typically it sort of just flows in doesn't it <laughs> just pick up the skype call and start talking yeah that's what i do i i uh it's it's I've ha- i have a few people you know we'll be about five minutes in and they'll be like are we recording you know is this the show <laughs> and um i'll be like yeah this is the show and it's and it's always kind of um you know I've never had anyone like be upset about that. People are like, Oh, awesome. Cool. But I just, I don't know. I find with interviews that, um, if, if there's pre chat, you know, I just had a conversation with Andrew Warner on the show and Hmm. he was talking about over at Mixer G how, you know, he's got a staff of people and they do like multiple pre-interviews before he, you know, his staff does multiple pre-interviews. They do all this research before it actually gets to him. And on the one hand, that sounds like, well, that's a legit operation. That's really professional, you know, and, and it may be, um, I mean, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying for me, I don't like to do any preparation. I mean, I do a little bit so that I don't sound like an idiot, you know, like if the person has cancer or something and, you know, or some big (laughs) thing that, you know, and I come on and, and, and being really insensitive, but I don't like doing really any sort of research or preparation because, I, uh, you know, I enjoy the process of discovery and that's kind of what my show is about. And I I like to have that in the show. The only difference is if the guest is someone who's like really famous, like if I was interviewing someone that everyone knew and and everyone kind of knew the same facts about, but I, but I didn't, then I would research those things. So I made sure and didn't ask things that everyone already knows. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know sad to admit it but as a podcaster like there are certain people you sort of bend over backwards for and then like for most people you just are like this is how we do it you know yeah and i i feel bad saying that because you know you want to treat everyone equally but like they're just i don't know like your childhood hero they're like oh well i need a podcast on a different day than you record you're just like okay we'll do we'll do <laughs> but then, <laughs> totally. like, for most typical guests it's like yeah we record tuesdays hopefully you can make that work um, so I totally get what you mean. And yeah, for, for big guests, I do more research. How Actually, long you, how long has your show been going now? Since 2013 at the like very beginning of 2013. So what is it like two, two years, years, two months now? Yeah. So yeah. I, I started my original show, like maybe, well, actually probably right at the same time you did. I started at the beginning of January, 2013 but I'd been kind of planning it over the Christmas holidays, but that's mm. not that much longer anyway. So <laughs> uh, mine's been on for two weeks longer than yours, man. So, um, <laughs> Dude, how long did you wait before actually like diving in and making it when, well, like, is, from this, when this you is, wanted to, uh, it was 14 days. Oh, that was, so you like got the idea for a podcast and then in two weeks you had it up 14 days later, I launched the first episode. Dang yeah. dude. Because it, part of the reason I launched a show a couple years ago was, you know, I have so many side projects and I, they never would get done. They're just all half finished. And I was fed up with the fact that I, I, I was good at starting things and having ideas, but I never finished anything. I never actually launched or shipped anything. Mm. And, you know, I just, I wanted to ship something. I wanted to actually complete something. So when I had the idea for the show, I decided the only, the only way this is going to happen is if like I, I, somehow forced my, I I don't give myself an out. So the first thing I did before I had a name or a website or any idea or any gear or any idea how I was going to do it. The very first thing I did was email 
the first five guests and schedule them. So, really? yeah, because I was like, well, okay, so they're scheduled now, so I have to get it done. You know, yeah. I, I can't, I have no out here. So, otherwise, I would have spent months like designing the website and, you know, going through 30 different versions of it until it was, you know, perfect or whatever. But by doing that, I was forced to just um, go with sort of that MVP thing, you know, just the minimum viable thing and that, that I could launch with. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it really helped. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Uh, with my book, like I told people it's coming out January 5th. So I had to do it. And like 10 PM the night before it launched, I was writing the final chapter <laughs> and it launched with like a bunch of typos. I had students like emailing me with typos that I needed to fix and everything, but you know, I, it got done and people are enjoying it. And then I just went back and fixed the typos when I had time and now it's a good product. So definitely like props on that. I waited six months yeah, or, or more because I went to Blog World in New York City. Uh, I got to see a, a session from Pat Flynn and Derek Halper and they both were talking about podcasting and how useful it is and how much people like it. And I was like, you know, they're right. I should be doing a podcast myself and yeah. then just never, I don't know, that rest of that entire year never did it. Uh, January hit, I found Pat's podcasting tutorial and within a night I had done the entire thing. So it's like one of those things that you could actually get done in a day. It just totally. takes, I don't know, the gumption to say it's going to, I'm going to sit down and do this thing. Well, it actually, you know, it, it's surprising because again, like I had 14 days and, you know, I had to get equipment and learn how to use it and learn how to use the software and design the website and build the website and honestly, it was the designing and built because that's what I did at the time was I was a web designer. And mm. that's the part that I would obsess over, you know, and be a perfectionist about and never actually launch anything because I, I was never happy with the design. But I was forced to do it in just a couple of days. And oddly enough, that design for the, for that original show um, is the uh, most, uh, what do you call it, recognized thing I've ever done. Like that design... Mm was featured in .NET magazine and um, won, I don't remember what the award was, but I mean, it wasn't some sort of major award, but in other words, it got noticed and I got a lot of compliments on that design. Yeah. And it was the first one that I ever, I just, I did it in like two days and I forced myself to just, you know, do the best I could in those two days and then launch it and, and not, you know, keep tweaking it for months and months. And so, so it was an interesting, yeah, it kind of, so since, uh, since this was a, a quick project, how did you feel about it when you launched it? Did you feel like it was that good or was it one of those things where you were like, eh, it's okay. And then people surprisingly liked it a lot. No, I thought it was terrible. In fact, the <laughs> first, the first episode, well, no, not when I launched it. Okay. Let me back okay. up when I, cause obviously I, I recorded episodes before I launched, you know? So the first interview that I did was with a good friend and he, but he was a pretty famous designer, but he was a friend of mine and he agreed to be the first one. And we did this interview and it was so bad. Um, I, I'd never recorded anything before. And I remember it was just, I can't even describe how bad it was. And I was recording and I would get all confused. And, and I had in my mind that once this conversation is over, I'll just go back and, and edit and like re-piece the whole conversation together. Mm. Like I'll, I'll move this question and this part over here and this part over here. And I started doing that. And like 10 hours later, I was still only like, you know, a third of the way into the episode editing. Yeah. 
And I was like, this isn't going to work. This is terrible. <laughs> so I, I emailed him and said, is there any way we could just do it over? Cause you know, it was so bad. And he was really nice. He was like, yeah, totally. Let's do it again. So we did it again. And that time, you know, I kind of had that dry run. And so I was a little bit more comfortable and, but it still wasn't those first episodes weren't, weren't great. I don't think, but yeah, but, uh, we did it again and that's what I launched with. And, cool. uh, and then I just got more comfortable, you know, that's, even though it's the same name, the gently mad, that's not the show that I'm doing now. Um, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I just stick with that name for everything. Um, but this show relaunched that I'm doing now about three months ago. And yeah. it's, very, it's a very different show. But that one, you know, it was just the very first thing I had ever shipped and really actually done. And it was a very infectious. I realized that and I need to I need to plan, you know, even if I'm even if it's not something I'm trying to make money from, I need to like ship something every quarter because mm. it, it it creates such a great feeling and it, it kind of creates momentum. Like as soon as I launched that, I was like, I got to do this again. I got to launch, launch something else because it just, I don't know. It just sort of creates some positive momentum. And I realized uh, it's in the exact opposite way that starting a bunch of things and never finishing them kind of creates this negative sort of feeling about yourself. You yeah. know, just, just shipping it and getting it out there is such a great thing you know, I wanted to kind of just build that into my schedule, you know, even if it wasn't like a business or a product that I was launching, but just something. Yeah. You know? And I think when you can look back on a body of work and just like say to yourself, I did that, even if, you know, one individual piece wasn't your favorite thing when you launched it, looking back, you see this whole aggregate and you're just like, yes, I'm glad that I forced myself to ship these things, you know, every so often instead of sitting on them and wanting them to be per- to be perfect because now I can see them they're out and they've helped people and all that kind of stuff. Totally. I, that in fact, today, this is uh when we're recording this, it's Friday the 13th of March and our, my episode of uh, the gently mad today was kind of an audio essay of something I wrote yesterday about launching my course, you mm-hmm. know, that just launched yesterday or at least sort of beta launched to the pre-purchasers and that's what it was all about is I was doing the same thing. I was up at like 6am trying to finish it, you know, staying up, having stayed up all night, you know, and, and I'm tired. You know, I, that's what I did all through college is I just, you know, wait till the last minute, the last day, and then stayed up all night to get it done. And I've had half a dozen different careers since, uh, since college and everything I've ever done has involved deadlines. And yet I still, Mm -hmm always wait till the last minute. And this year I'm really trying to change some things, you know, about Mm. myself and just kind of realizing that the future is never, it's not going to be different unless I actually change something, you know? (laughs) And like, and so I decided I've got to actually change some things. And so, you know, I, I, I still did all the procrastination and stuff that I do when I, with this course, but this article I wrote, um, I really feel like, as uh, I don't know, it, I looked. I'm looking back at it on a different way, and, and I'm able to see things that I should have should have done differently that would have kept me from, you know, all the stress of you know procrastination, and then being up the night before trying to hammer it hammer it home, and 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 then it not be quite as good when it launches, and um, all that stuff. So 
Yeah. So I want to ask you a question because uh, you're a little bit older than me. Right now at this point in my life, and I know I could tell myself this isn't true, but it feels like this is this like some period that's leading up to something else. And like around the corner, my life is going to quote unquote start or something like that. And like, I just kind of have to wait for that to happen. And I, like I tell myself, that's not actually true. Like you have to do things and it's, it could be very samey if you just let it. But, uh, I don't know. I'm like right out of school. Basically all my friends are just now graduating, all that kind of stuff. So does that feeling like ever go away or is it? No, (laughs) (laughs) no, it really doesn't. Like I felt the same way you did when I was in my early twenties and I kept, I would always, I don't know, every stage of life I've ever been in, I was always trying to rush through to get to the next one because it felt like the next one was where, you know, things would be happening. Like, as you said, life would actually start. You know, when I was in college, I went to college late. I didn't go till I was 22. So I was there Mm -hmm. from 22 to 25. And I, I spent the whole time, you know, rushing through it because all my friends that were my age were already done and they were like getting married and getting careers and having families and doing all that stuff. And, and I just felt like I just got to get to that stage. You know, if I, if I could just hurry up and get through this college stuff and get to that stage where I have, you know, um, a family or something like that and a, a job and, you know, that stage of life, then, man, that would be all, I'd be so happy, you know? And and then I got to that stage of life eventually and it was the same thing. It was like, well, you know, once, once the kids are this age or once I am able to be an entrepreneur or start my own business and kind of have control over my time, that's when, or when we move into this place or when we relocate to that city, you know, things yeah. will really take off at that point. That's when I'll feel. And the whole thing was, I was looking for some sense of, home, like some feeling of I'm doing really purpose or meaning, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now. And, and, and I never found that. And I would always look back on the previous stages and kind of wish I could go back to them because I I realized that I I wasted them. You know, like I look back at college now and it's like, why did I just rush that? You know, those are four years that are a unique four years of your life that or five or however long you take that you never get to experience again. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go back to college if I wanted to now in my thirties with a family, but it's not the same. Get a dorm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, but those four years, I mean, there's such a great thing about that time of life. And, um, and I just rushed it because I couldn't wait to get to the next one. And the point I'm trying to make is, I feel like I wish I I could learn. I still don't think I've I've learned it. I'm learning it more, but uh, to just enjoy whatever stage you're in because it's going to end at some point, and you're not ever going to be able to go back to it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and exactly. Like college, like I loved college, and but I rushed it. I was just I, I just I did it in three years instead of four years, and. And I tried to get out of the dorms as fast as I could and get my own apartment and get a job and, and, you know, again, try to be doing what all my friends were doing. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could go back and stay in the dorms and just take my time and not rush through it and enjoy those four years because, you know, you won't ever get to do that again. You know, like if you're single, you know, and, and you're thinking... 
and I, I got to get married and, and be a real adult and have a family and, and all that stuff, you know, those things are great. But once you get into them, you realize, and I wasted all the time I had while I was single and I could have been enjoying that time and I can't, you know, go back to that now. So every stage mm. has its own issues and, you know, it's pros and cons with it. And I've always just rushed through every stage trying to get to the next one, thinking that's where I would find meaning in my life. Yeah, and I, and I don't, you know. And it's funny because I wrestle with this because I know there's this uh, cognitive bias where we tend to only remember the positive memories. Yeah. Like I think back to my internship I did. It was a big corporation and, you know, nothing to knock the people who, you know, brought me on and my team and everything. They were all great. But I know because I journaled during this time that I was very unhappy with the situation. It was not my kind of work. But if I don't look at those journal entries and I don't think too hard about it, it's very tempting for my brain to go back and be like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I, I came to work every day. It was, it was fine, you know? And yeah. like the only memories that remain, if I don't try to bring up more like deliberately are the good ones. So I haven't wrestled with like this, this thought that even though my life is inflated so much since since I was in college, like I went from a dorm with a roommate and like sitting on a couch from the Goodwill, and like sleeping <laughs> in a loft bed to now like making seven to eight times more than I made as a student and basically being able to do what I want. The happiness levels are roughly equivalent. Yeah. That's what, that's, yeah. yeah. It's not like all of a sudden I graduated and my life like shot up from there in terms of happiness and everything is like super amazing now. And I can't even imagine going back to what college was. It's like, no, there's a lot of great things that college held. And I think I was about as happy, you know, I think there are certain things now that may be happier in different components of my life. Like I'm in a much more fulfilling relationship with a girl that I really love. I definitely, you know, I'm more satisfied with that. But overall it was like, I, I'm not like, and a crazy amount happier than I was. So there's, and logically there's no reason to try to rush to quote unquote the next stage, because I don't think I'm going to be that much happier there than I am now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. And the reason that is, is because we tend to think that our happiness and all that stuff is dependent on external factors. Mm -hmm. um, it's dependent on the people around us that we're in relationships with, or it's dependent on, a job circumstance or it's all these things around us that are making us unhappy or discontent or whatever. And so we jump into a new situation to try to be happy or to find meaning. And sometimes we do feel it there for a little bit in the beginning, but that's just because it's new and it's fresh and it's something different. And there's some just inherent excitement to that sort of thing. But as soon as you get settled, as soon as you kind of settle in and the first couple of months pass, um, you feel the same way you did before because, you know, happiness and purpose and meaning aren't found outside of yourself. You got to find that inside of yourself. And and that's, yeah. I've struck, I mean, that's, I mean, that's my life story is, is, you know, trying to, you know, that, that's why I, I'm like, uh, <laughs> we, I joke, like my wife and I were approaching our, well, actually next month, I think is our eighth anniversary. And in eight years, we've moved like nine times. Wow. And, um, and it's because, you know, and like I said, I've had half a different, half a dozen different jobs since college. And I had, you know, half a dozen different ones before college. And 
it's because I, I'm constantly jumping and, and changing course because I get into something and I realize this isn't satisfying. Ooh, yeah. here's this new thing over here that will be satisfying. And I jump into that and then I get into it and realize, I mean, things are different, but as you said, I'm still generally about the same in terms of happiness and contentment and all those kind of things. And I'm learning now, you know, I mean, it's take, I'm 35, man. I mean, it's taken a long time mm. and I still am not there, but I think I'm starting to see more about how, um, you know, it's really, you have to come to terms with those things inside of yourself and, and to not rush through the stages that you're in because, uh, you know, I, that's, if I have any regrets, it's that I, you know, I've always rushed through things, as you said, thinking the next one, the next stage will be the meaningful one. And I get to it and it's not any more meaningful than the last one. And, um, and that's why I say, I've got to figure out how to find a sense of purpose or meaning, you know, and happiness and contentment inside myself. Um, you know, that's why, sorry, I'm talking so much, but (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm soaking it up, man. That's why, like, you know, not, not to get all, um, this is probably told, you probably never had an episode like this, but that's, <laughs> that's why, like, um, I'm really interested in things like psychology and therapy and stuff like that. Um, and, th- and that's why, like, the vast majority, for example, you know, half, one of every two people gets divorced in this country. Yeah. And the vast majority of those people that get divorced, um, uh, like the 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 ratio or the chances that they'll get divorced again goes up with each divorce, you know. Really, and yeah, like if you, um, I, and I don't have anything to cite right now, but <laughs> just Google it and look it up. There are there's a lot of research done on this, um, and huh. and and there's the a huge majority of people who are divorced um, aren't any happier than they were before they were divorced, and of course there's certain circumstances maybe you were married to an abusive spouse or something like that. I mean, that's, that's, I'm not talking about those kind of situations. I'm talking about the kind of situations where you get married and you realize that marriage is really tough and life is hard and it's work. It's not like it's portrayed in Hollywood. And, and you think I'm just not happy and I need to go find happiness. And that, again, that, that means changing my circumstances. So you get a divorce or something. And, and, but nothing changes because all those, all those things, all those problems, all those difficulties, those things that are making you unhappy aren't, um, they're inside you. They're not outside of you and your circumstances. And that's what I've had the hardest time learning is that, you know, we can never outrun ourselves basically. And the one common denominator we bring to every situation in life is ourselves, and that's why none of them are ever satisfying. <laughs> Dude, so. I think there might be something like here that's more important than any of like the tips or tricks or whatever I talk about. <laughs> like it's just like coming out of here. And I guess like, but I guess I could sort of package it up as you don't necessarily always need to find happiness. You may need to build it. Yeah. And it might not necessarily be something that you can build by yourself. Yeah. You, you create it. You're right. It doesn't, you don't discover it. You create it. Mm. It's the first thing. And the second thing is that it never looks like what you think. So yeah, drop whatever picture you have in your mind when you close your eyes about what um, the perfect life is, because that's, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Hmm. It's like, it's like finding the perfect girl, you know, that doesn't exist. Yeah. And in, in the beginning, you know, when you first meet each other and, 
it's just like, you know, it's all pink smoke and, you know, <laughs> um, all that's, it's just romance and, and you're, you know, infatuated, you know, it feels like this is the perfect person, but anyone who's been in a relationship for very long knows that that wears off and, right. and, and you become more comfortable and then, you know, then you start kind of, you're not as, uh, uncomfortable with showing your flaws and the other person does that too. And, and then it gets difficult. Then, you you know, you might start having some fights or something and you're like, what's going on here? You know, I was so wrong. This person is just not, you know, right for me and I need to move on to another relationship. You know, yeah. why, why do we do that 10 times, you know, when we're in college, you know, um, you would think after like the second or third one, we'd realize, wait a minute, this keeps happening with different people. And I'm the only common denominator in this situation. So <laughs> maybe it's not the other people that are constantly making me unhappy, you know? Yeah. And it sucks. I mean, like, I hate to admit this and like, hopefully my girlfriend doesn't listen, but like, I, I feel like I'm in what is close enough to be, you know, the ideal relationship. And I don't ever see myself leaving my girlfriend, but there are certain times where it's like, my brain will bring up thoughts of like, should I go do something else? Should I get into a different relationship? And I, I think it's just kind of human to it is. think those yeah. things. So every time, and this is something I've had to learn. I'm sure I will learn, you know, more as I get older, but whenever we'll have a disagreement or have a fight or something, or there's some annoyance in there, I just, try and focus my hardest on like the, the overall values I have for the relationship, namely it's staying together and being fulfilling. Yeah. And it's like a filter for everything I want to say, because I don't know, I feel like maybe there's not for most people, like one little thing that's said in one argument that just derails an entire relationship, but maybe it's a bunch of little things that are said like selfishly or, or un, you know, uncaringly that can cause things like a divorce to happen. Well, there. Okay, so there are two things here. One is a great analogy. I can't remember. I read it in a book somewhere, but the guy said that you know men tend to think of you know, um, you know. Let's say mar- marriage is a garden. You know, mm. um, any and even any relationship, um, it's it's a garden. And if you have a garden, you know that it takes a lot of work and constant daily effort to make it. You know bloom and make it beautiful and make it fruitful, like grow tomatoes or whatever it is you're trying to do. Or maybe you're just growing flowers. You know, it takes a lot of work and one frost or one change in the weather can cause all sorts of damage. I mean, it just takes constant effort to to make it. And, And a lot of people, I don't know if it's just a guy thing, but a lot of people come into a relationship and, and they think it's kind of like sod, you know, you roll it out once and you're done. You know, it's like you, you know, you, you know, you, you say, I love you. You do this, the, the sweet kind thing and you're done. That's all you should have to do. Right. And and yeah. if it's, if, if you're meant to be together, then it's just all going to be perfect and wonderful. But that's just, uh, that's just Hollywood, man. That's just, that's fiction. I mean, that, that doesn't exist in the real world and yeah. it's, it's always a work. And, um, and the other thing I was going to say is that I heard someone say that marriage is like, or a relationship. I keep saying marriage because I'm married, but I think it's the same thing with um, a relationship, but, or like a girlfriend, boyfriend relationship. But I think it's a little bit different than that, but it's like, it's like a car crash. You know, you got these two people, these two personalities who just collide into each other and, um, you know, the wreckage, all this, basically 
when you're that close with someone, it brings out all the stuff inside of you. You know, it, it brings all that stuff to the surface. And we tend to go, you know, I'm unhappy because this person is making me unhappy. And that's really not true at all. It's that this person is forcing me to be a less selfish person. And that's really uncomfortable. And that's why I'm unhappy. Yeah. You know, you know I don't want to deal with the things about myself that are uncomfortable to deal with. You know, and when you're when you're single or you have no constraints on your life, it's easy to think, you know, everything has to do with the circumstances around you um, and you get into a, a committed relationship um, or starting a business, all these sorts of things. And it brings out all the, uh, you know, like I use the example, you know, like like with my wife or having kids or whatever, you know suddenly, you know, you don't have freedom as much as you did. Certainly you don't, you know, mm. you, you, your, your life is now, you know, centered around taking care of this infant who can't survive without you, you know, or, you know, helping this spouse, this person, you know, be the best person they can be. And, you know, that brings up, that, that brings that, you know, that, that forces us to grow and growth is never comfortable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get into that stage and just think, um, it's this person's fault, you know, why yep. this is happening, you know? And, uh, yeah. but you just look at like the statistics and you look at the situations, like I said, you know, so we, so we abandon our circumstances and go to another one, another job, another place, another house, another spouse, another car, you know, brand new TV, you know, whatever it is that we, you know, we think that one will make me happy. And then you get it. And it, I mean, has it ever made you happy? I mean, like, has anything you've ever bought or anything you've ever done thinking this will make me happy um, after a month, after like the newness factor wears off? Have you ever been happier? Yeah, that's probably not. I mean, maybe a little bit. I think, uh, okay, when I look back at the bookshelf behind me, I am still happier now that it's there than when it wasn't. <laughs> so there, I like books, but I, I don't know. That kind of represents knowledge. I've been, I think I've gotten a lot better at introspection over the years. And that sounds like something an old man would say, but <laughs> um, maybe for me, part of it is that happiness is in flux. Like yeah. the things that are changing, make me happy. Like I get incredibly happy when, I come up with like a new thing to make in a video, like a new way of conveying information or new like editing technique. And I'm able to execute it or like I do something different with a podcast. Like, Oh, I got the mix minus to work up this or work this time. That's awesome. I'm super stoked. And then when things are stagnant, it's often like, I don't know. My brain just goes, what's the point? And I have yeah. to really dig down and like find fulfillment in, I guess, non flux. So well, you just yeah. have to find, I think what you're saying is you have to find, um, it sounds so cheesy, you know, because this is what everyone says, but there is some truth to the whole uh, living in the moment thing, yeah. you know, and uh, just like, for example, like I have to force myself to, you know, I'll, I'll take my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's seven now, you know, we'll go out um, and do some grocery shopping or I'll take her to dinner or something. And I have to... Um, I have to think that, uh, you know, I have to find excitement in that moment and just focus on that moment and not think about the future or anything else. Cause naturally my mind would go to, oh, someday she's not going to want to, 
um, do this stuff with me anymore, mm. you know, and, and, and I would miss the whole enjoyment of this time by worrying about that phase when, you know, maybe she's a teenager and doesn't want to hang out with her dad that much, you know? Yeah. Or I would think, oh, this stage is so hard while they're this age and they never stop talking and, you know, whatever. Um, I wish, you know, I, I wish that we could go back to when they were just babies, you know? And mm. and that's what I'm saying. It's like you're always either thinking into the future or thinking into the past. And you have to, I have to force myself to constantly just, just stay focused on the current moment that I'm in. Because yeah. it's going to change and I'm going to miss parts of it. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it takes, it's a lot, it's very hard to do that, but you have to, whether you're in college or out of college or in that first job or whatever, to not rush things or regret things and just get everything you can out of, out of that experience. Yeah. And I, I guess that you and I are cut from the same cloth in that we would both very easily throw ourselves into our projects. And for me, it's very easy to get caught up in like, oh man, 10 years, or not 10 years, 10 videos down the line, I'll probably be at like 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I'm like pushing my happiness off into that moment in the future that doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. And like, so now I just work for it and just do it. So one thing I've been trying to do is telling myself, you're going to be done working at seven or six or whatever hour it is. And then you're going to go out and you're going to play board games or hang out with the people in your living room because they love you and you should probably give them time because they, that's like the in the moment thing. Like you're going to be happy if you like make yourself or let yourself be happy in the moment, I guess. Yeah. Like even when, even when you're in college, like I, I look back to that and I think, man, I just wish I hadn't, I just wish I hadn't rushed it, you know, cause there's so many fun, awesome things about being that age and the college experience. And, and honestly, I mean, think about it. Like I, I mean, I had a part-time job, but I didn't have the burden of having to support family and didn't have the need to make a ton of income. And I could spend the majority of my time reading the books I wanted to read and taking the classes I wanted to take and learning the stuff I wanted to learn. You know, you never get that chance again. And so um, I just rushed through it, you know, thinking the next stage was where happiness was going to be. And as you said, am I, am I happy that I have, you know, have my children all? Of course. I mean, of course yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, them to go back to that. I'm just saying that I, I I didn't take a real advantage of the opportunities to just enjoy that experience while it was there. Yeah, and exactly. I think we can. I think we have that in every circumstance we're in. There are always positives. There are always negatives. Like Seth Godin says, everything worth doing has a dip. You know. Yes. Um, and you get into the dip. You know, the first part is exciting because it's new. You know, a new relationship or new whatever. It's new and exciting. And after that wears off, it goes into a dip. And and that's when most people, including myself, quit and, and jump to the next thing. And you repeat this cycle over and over again, but you never accomplish anything that way. You never get any, you never get anywhere. Like you said, you, you like to read, you've got this bookshelf, you know, um, I, I'm sure that you can look back and, you know, you get some satisfaction about looking at some books that you know, maybe we're difficult, but you, you pushed through and got all the way to the end and, and, you know, rewarded with the benefits of completing something, yeah. you know, um, there, there is, there's, you know, I would say that there's an extreme sense of satisfaction by completing something. And a lot of times I don't ever get there because I quit 
in the dip part and 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 don't actually complete it. Yeah, and that's I guess the big thing that I've noticed about people who are successful is they're the ones <laughs> who are willing to push through. You know, they're willing to keep doing it when it sucks. And yeah. I guess <laughs> if I were to give anybody any advice on work, it's when it sucks as long as the end goal still seems, you know, desirable to you, then just do the sucky things. <laughs> yeah. Because there is no job situation where any fulfillment will come from it. If it doesn't suck at some point, like it's just too easy if it never does. Yeah. I mean, that's what uh, Seth Godin's book, the dip is all about, about, mm-hmm. you know, determining, you know, when to quit. Cause there are some situations that you should quit, you know, but I yeah. think his point is that most of us quit the wrong things and we need to, quit more strategically and sometimes something does suck and you do need to get out of it. You do need to quit it because it's not going anywhere. It's a cul-de-sac as he says. Mm. And, you know, but I think that that's, uh, I think that's more rare, at least in my own life. I think most of the situations I've been, haven't been cul-de-sacs. I just, you know, I was just like, well, if, you know, this isn't making me happy and American Western, culture tells me that my number one priority in life is to be happy. And so, you know, this is really hard. So I'm going to quit because then I can do this other thing over here. And, um, but there's an extreme, like I said, extreme sense of happiness and satisfaction that comes from completing something Mm -hmm. that we all miss out on, you know, if we don't, we don't push through, push through the, 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 the dip, the hard parts, you know, and, and actually grow getting back to the growth thing, you know, um, growth is really hard, but once you, once you get through that difficult part of it, um, it's really great, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you're in a dip right now with things you're doing or do you feel like you've gotten through that and you're kind of like past it? I feel like I'm always in a dip, but Mm. it's, uh, it's, it's different things. It's different things. I feel like I'm, um, I'm more content now, for example, with my family than I ever have been because, you know, like I said, you know, I, I've realized that a number of the issues that I've had in being married and raising kids are my own issues. They're not my wife's fault or my kid's fault, you know, and yeah. c- coming to realize that and work on those things, you know, and, and like I said, enjoying the moment um, with my family because I know that, you know, my daughters are never going to be seven and six again you know, and in five years, I'm going to look back and, and miss this. So, you know, things like that. But, uh, with work, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm always in a dip, but honestly, it's because I I can't really speak from experience here. Like I've, like I said, I've, I've always done this. I've always quit. I've always done the same thing, which is quit when it gets hard Mm. or switch to something new. And I've never stuck with anything and it's only been, you know, since last November. So not even six months that I've actively tried to, you know, I realized that, you know, every year is the same, you know, I'm getting older, but nothing's changing. Like I'm not making any progress. You know, I'm, I'm no further along. I'm further along in certain areas of my business than I was when I started like six years before, but I'm not further along in terms of, um, financial security or any of that kind of stuff, the stuff that really relieves my stress. And I realized it's because I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And the only way that's going to change is if I 
do something different. And that's what I'm trying to do this year. And I'm in the middle of that. And so, mm. yeah, it's really tough right now because the newness of some things like my show and my course have kind of worn off and it's, it's a lot of work at the moment. Um, and there's always that temptation to, you know, quit and jump into something else. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying not to do that this time. I'm trying to stick it out because, uh, I can see the, I can see the, the finish line, you know, I can see like what that could be if I do stick it out. And I'm not saying I won't quit because who knows, maybe six months from now I'll realize this isn't, this isn't the thing, you know, that this is not going to get me where I want to go. And it was a good learning experience. But again, as Seth Godin would say, it's time to strategically quit this thing and invest my energy in this other thing. Yeah. But I don't feel like I'm at that point yet. I'm just at the point where it's, it's really tough and it's hard work. Um, but I need to keep doing it. Yeah. And that takes a lot of thought, you know, cause it's a very important decision to make if you're at that point. I think a, an important note to make in a conversation like this, which is probably the most philosophical, like raw <laughs> conversation that's ever been had on the podcast, but also I think one of the best. So I'm not even sure what I'm nice. going to title this. Maybe just something like you should listen to this period dot, dot, dot <laughs> with Adam. <laughs> Nice. Um, I think when it comes to ideals, things like you should push through or you should quit or changes in flux or changes in, you know, uh, an ideal situation that you need to reach. We, we tend to go to extremes with ideals or like, you know, we get some idea in our head from a podcast and we go, that's what I need to do right there. Yeah. And it's uh, a lot of these are very boilerplate, I think. And in individual situations, they often require some balance. Like your your mind immediately goes to one side of a spectrum if an idea changes it. And yeah. where you should be is maybe somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So maybe you shouldn't, you know, dog your dog headedly or pig headedly or whatever the the uh saying is, just <laughs> keep driving through no matter what. Like your business is falling apart and your family has abandoned you, but you have to keep going through the dip as you see it. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you shouldn't just quit either. You know, it's very much like in the middle, you have to really wrestle with that question individually and figure out what you want to do. Um, you can ask other people, you know, what has worked for you? What has been your experience? I think that's very, very valuable. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I made the decision to be incredibly consistent. And it's turned out to be very rewarding, but it took kind of some kick in the pants from other people, you know, who've done it before. Um, I don't know if you follow Sean McCabe. Maybe you yeah. do. Yeah. He's like, I was listening to his podcast and he's just like, I don't know. His podcast makes me feel more guilty than any other because every episode <laughs> is basically, here's what you're not doing. That would make you incredibly successful. <laughs> yeah. But I was listening to his for a while and it's basically like, you need to do daily work every day for two years. No excuses. I'm just like, okay, fine. I will try yeah. it because you're like basically pounding me into the dirt with what I'm not doing. Um, and the results have been amazing. So, yeah, but I think also too, is that, uh, I don't know, we're, we're a, we're like a guru driven culture, you know, mm. like we, we have all these experts that we look up to and, and like their advice is sort of, you know, law or doctrine or whatever. And yeah. I, and, and I think that it, it, 
it really doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. Everyone's circumstance is different, you know? Yes. Like, like Sean would, would disagree with, um, uh, all the ways that I go about my work and do things, you know, mm-hmm. because he's different and maybe his way is more responsible. I don't know, but, but I can't, I can't do it the way he does, you know, everyone is different. And so that's, that's the other thing is to not feel like, you know, I can't, I can't be that person. I I can't do it that way. You know, that's okay. You know, the, the point is like you were saying is, is balance, you know, like take the advice, take the strategies and the tactics for success that you find and, and use them as much as they're applicable to your situation. But, but there really is no one sort of this is what you have to do, you know, uh, to be successful because yeah, if there was like a three-step process to being a millionaire, everyone would be millionaires. You know, I mean, exactly. the reason we're not, the reason the world isn't filled with entrepreneurs is because it's hard, but that, and because there is no three-step process, but mm-hmm. that's actually a really great advantage to those of us who are, who are doing it because that means that, because it is hard and because there are no, you know, uh, three steps to success, fewer people are going to be willing to do it, be willing to dive in, do the work necessary. So that's good for those of us who are willing to do that. Yeah. And for entrepreneurship, like, you know, we go into it because we want obviously to make a change and to help people, but you also, there is the allure of kind of extra value, like extra return from what is normally considered to be a good return. And to get that extra return, there needs to either be like extra effort put in from what would normally be put in or extra, I guess, innovation. And you're right. You know, if it was a, if it was a three-step process, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who would be willing to put in the hustle, but that number of people is not also the number of people who also can do the innovation and unearth the processes that need you know to be unearthed to create new value yeah and that's i guess that's a beautiful thing for those of us that do it and you know on on an individual case anybody that wants to do it i really hope they can but on an aggregate case like not everyone will do it and that's probably a good thing you know for those that do no i i think so and and it just comes down to I think planning well and well, there's a lot of things really, but um, I think the thing that it's easier for me to speak from like, here's what not to do than it is to be (laughs) like from here's what to do, because I don't have a lot of here's what to do examples. Um, I have a ton of here's what not to do examples, but um, I think uh, like I said, the worst thing you can do is to um, put all of your uh, sense of self-worth and value and meaning and purpose and happiness in your life onto other people or to your circumstances, because you're basically guaranteeing that you'll never, you'll never find any of those things. Um, Cause it's, it is inside of you and you have to, uh, you, you have to grow, you know, you have to grow up, you know, you have to change and, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, um, I mean, you, you, I'm, I've seen on your website, Thomas, you're, you're like into a lot of, uh, well, I don't know if you still are, but like working out and physical stuff and, mm. you know, right. Are you yeah. into all that kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you could, 
there's the kind of person who just sits on the couch all day and looks at magazines and thinks, man, I wish I looked like that, or I wish I could accomplish that physical feat. And there's the kind of person who knows that, you know, they can, you know, but it might take them two years of going to the gym every day to get to that place. Right. And, and so most of us really can achieve whatever it is we want to achieve, but we just have to evaluate realistically whether or not, and this is the whole, this is one of the points in Seth's book, uh, the dip is like, do you have what it takes to get through the dip? You know, um, do you, do you have what it takes to commit to going to the gym every day for two or three years to get to the point where you have, you know, those double bicep, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, um, dude, if I had a bicep on my bicep, I'm going to the doctor. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not the person to be talking about, uh, um, physical fitness, uh, shall we say, but it's, it, it is, but I think that is a great analogy for anything, you know, mo- most of the time, you know, like in an analogy sense, like in a metaphysical sense, we're sitting on the couch and wondering why we're not losing weight or why we're not getting faster or stronger. Yeah. When it's easy enough to do, it's just hard to do it. You know, it's, it's, and, and a lot of times I think I tend to think, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, and so I spent waste all this time getting advice about how to grow a business or how to accomplish this or how to accomplish that. And really it's, it's, I, it's not that I don't know what to do. It's just that I don't want to do what I know I should do because that's really hard work. Getting up every day and going to the gym and and doing the repetitions and forcing yourself to do it um, is really hard work and it's painful and it sucks most of the time. But that's the only way to get to the other side. You know, that's the only way to yeah. get to where you can you can put up that amount of weight or you can run the marathon or or whatever is to show up every day and just and do the work. And that's the part that sucks that we don't want to do. And so constantly jumping to new things and different things, thinking, well, this will, you know, this will make me happy. And yeah. it never does, you know. So one thing I've been kind of wrestling with for a while is advice like this and how to sort of dole it out maybe or or help people with it who may not be predisposed to this sort of type A personality <coughs> or just like, I don't know, just like get it done at all costs kind of personality. So I, I guess I'm like going to anonymize this, but I, am, I have a friend and they're trying to encourage another friend of theirs to you know do something that they want to do and this other friend you know they've said they want to do it but then you know like a few a week or two were passed and there's like no results and my friend asked me like should i push them to do it should i keep on them about getting it done and the first thing i said was no wait for them to come to you and express enough interest to actually do it before you take your effort and help to foster them through it. And then you know, I, I was sitting there for a while and I had second thoughts. I'm like, you know, that's, that's a thought that would come from me because that's the kind of encouragement I would need, but maybe there's a balance. Maybe, you know, some people need to be fostered through this sort of, you know, idea that you need to put in all this effort and maybe they're not 
I don't know, as predisposed to just pull up their bootstraps and, and show the interest themselves. Maybe they do need a bit of, bit of assistance. So I guess I'm not sure like for everyone. Well, everyone's just, different. Yeah. So I think it's different, you know, just like with my kids, you know, I, I don't treat my younger daughter the same way I do my older daughter because they're completely different. You know, my older daughter is a lot like me. She likes to talk and likes to just think about things and we can go out and drive around and look at houses and just talk. And she really loves that. And my younger daughter, you know, it doesn't enjoy that at all. She mm. doesn't like, she doesn't like to talk as much. She just, she likes to do things like do activities, you know? So, so I can't, you know, I can't treat them both the same way. And I think it's the same way. Um, um, and that's why I don't like advice or like gurus who kind of, uh, speak in these absolutes like this is the way it has to be done this is the only way to succeed because it's not true you know yeah. it's, it may be the only way for you to do it but there are other ways and by other ways i mean there aren't any ways that avoid hard work but right there you, you don't necessarily have to do it the same way as another person does it and so some people yeah if you pressure them they're gonna they're just going to fold up, you know, mm-hmm. and other, other people need that encouragement, you know, and that, you know, consistency of a friend to, you know, constantly be, you know, calling them at five in the morning and say, I'm going to be at the gym in 10 minutes and, you know, and putting the pressure on them of, you know, they're going to leave their friend hanging if they don't show up, you know, and they, if they didn't have that, they wouldn't go, you know, so yeah. some people need that. You know, yeah, I guess that's true. I, when I was in college, I was really um, a lot more physically like active and stuff. Um, of course, I had way more time than two, which I mean, that's not an excuse for now. But, you know, I, you know, I lived in California. So, um, you know, there was amazing like hiking and all kinds of stuff we did. I mean, I did all sorts of stuff like that. But I had a friend you know, and, and we would kind of meet each other at the gym every day after work. And I mean, the only reason I did it was because I knew that he was going to be there, you know, and, yeah, and, and after one week of excuses, you know, I don't have any more excuses and it's, it's real. And, and, and suddenly the pain of calling and making up a new excuse is worse than the pain of just going and getting it done, you know? And yeah. And so then you just go and get it done. And, and I, I found that so, really works actually. Yeah. Just you like know, I, making it more painful to not do the thing. Yeah. And I think people just have to come to that sometimes um, on their own. You can't force someone into that realization, you know? Yeah. So sometimes people will, they're just not going to do it and you just have to leave them alone and, and, and let them fail. And eventually they'll reach a point where, yeah, they're, they're, like I did last November, you know, I, I was more, I was more tired of just repeating the same things over and over again than I was of, of growing and, mm-hmm. and doing things that needed to be done, you know, in order to change the future. And, uh, I think everyone just has to come to that place for themselves. I don't, I don't know that it's possible to be kind of pushed into that place. Yeah. See, these are, the, these are the kind of conversations I like. Um, I don't know if you've listened to the, any of the other episodes on the podcast. Episode 51, I had with Satchel Drakes. Uh, he said something really cool because he was, he was offering up an opinion on something 
but he kind of prefaced it with like these are playground thoughts like i'm just playing with them right now i I don't want to put a stamp of approval on them and i don't know i think we should have more of that i think there is a lot of this pressure online to be a guru or something or be somebody who has absolute advice and you know i don't think we need that plus yeah, I just don't like absolutes. You know, mm. I've always I've always been that way. You know, <laughs> my wife and I would get in fights early on in our relationship because she would ask me something like, you know, I I don't know, something that was like uh, uh, uh something that uh had to do with, you know, like maybe one day when we have kids we're going to do X or something. Mm. And I would be like, "Well, I I hope that we will do X. That is what I want to do, but I can't predict the future. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that that is what's going to happen. Yeah. And she would treat that as like, Oh, I didn't really think that's what we should do. And mm. that, that's not what I was saying. I just don't like making absolute statements unless I'm absolutely sure. And there's very few things in life that we can be absolutely sure of. So, I mean, even yeah. in my course, even in my course about podcasting, you know, there's all these, tactics and strategies but i even say at the beginning of that that you know if you want to throw all the stuff out the window and do what you want to do with your show then do that and you'll probably be more successful that way that's why i said you know use use the advice um as much as it applies to your own situation but don't feel bad if you know you don't do it that way because there is they're just i just don't believe there's there's you know one way that you you know you have to do. Th- and the problem is, is that, you know, like you said, you listen to like Sean McCabe's podcast. And as you said, afterward, you always feel like shit, you know, because mm-hmm. you're not doing those things and, and you beat yourself up and all that stuff. And, and there's just a fine line here. You know, you talked about balance. I think balance is absolutely right. Cause there's a fine line between, yes, maybe you should feel bad about this thing you're not doing because you should be doing it and you know, you should, and you're just being lazy by not doing it. Yeah, but there are plenty of other things that you shouldn't feel bad for because that's uh, it's not it's not one of those things that you're just being lazy about. It's it's just uh, who you are, or you're 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 different, and, yeah, and, your and that's okay. Might be different. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there's something uh, I call. I think I mentioned it in my book the uh, the shit that works archives that yeah. exist in everyone's brain. <laughs> Uh, basically no matter, you know, how good your content is as a content creator, like a teacher, people are going to take a bit of it and they're going to sort of shove that into their brain with the stuff they took from this person over here. And they learned this from Seth Godin. They learned this from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know who they learned it from, (laughs) but they just kind of like shove it all together in this ball of what their, their collective knowledge and what works for them. And I've sort of come to terms with that as a maker and I feel okay not having to give out absolute advice and not having to give out absolutely comprehensive pieces of advice every single time I make anything because I assume, you know, the average viewer is going to take a couple things from it. And yeah. if they use it, that's great. But I never expect that anyone's going to take everything I say and use it all unless it's like a step-by-step tutorial or something super specific like that. Yeah. No, I agree, man. Yeah. It's just, Yeah. I don't, there's, there's, you know, there are multiple ways to accomplish things and you shouldn't feel bad because you're doing it a different way than someone else. And, and my personality is the type where I'm always like very, I don't know, like I'm always, um, 
how do I put it? Like, uh, I want to, I want to do things the right way. You know, I think it just has to do with how I was raised, but you know, there's this part of my brain that tells me there's a right way to do something and a wrong way to do something. And yeah. I want to make sure I do it the right way. And so I spend all this time, you know, trying to, uh, figure out, figure it out. And, and sometimes it'd be easier to just, you know, just screw all that and just do it, you know, just start and see what happens, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like I'd be further along in life if I had, if I had done more of that early on, just, you know, just dive in and, you know, you can sit there and read all the books about how to swim, or you can just dive in and figure it out, you know? And there's some things that you probably shouldn't go that route with, you know? And, but there are plenty of things that it is better to just start doing it and start producing and, and then iterate along the way, you know, Yeah, man. instead of waiting Instead of waiting until you, you know, you can predict every possible outcome before you take this action. And I think for anybody listening, like, don't beat yourself up if you haven't done this in the past and you feel like you're behind where you should be. Because I don't know if there is a place you should be right now, but maybe there's a place you want to be in the future. And the best thing you can do is just start now and get there. You know, if you get there, it probably will be different than what you thought it was. Yeah, totally. But I've been that, absolutely will be. I've been in that same spot where it's like, man, why didn't I just start podcasting six months ago? Or why didn't I get consistent sooner? You know, or why didn't I do X before now? And maybe I would be further ahead, but it doesn't, that doesn't really matter now. Yeah, but the thing to do is to just start doing it because I've, I've thought that same thing with so many, like over the years, I've had so many ideas for different businesses or projects and you know, I was too afraid to just jump in and start moving and iterating along the way. I wanted to make sure it was all laid out perfectly before I did. And of course, you never reach that point that, you you know, I would end up quitting because I could never get it to be perfect. You know, there are things you can't do until you're in the middle of it. And and then I would see someone else come along and do that idea. And then it's just like, why didn't I do that? You know, then. Yeah. but even when I had that thought, I still didn't do it. And then another year would go by or two years would go by and someone else would come along and do it as well. And they would be successful. And I was like, ah, now there's two people out there. Why didn't I do it back when the first one, I saw the first person be successful. Yep. And then I still didn't do it. You know, it's so even if you have that moment where you're like, oh man, I had that idea and now they're doing it and I should have done it, you know, a year ago when I thought about it. If you're, if that's what you're thinking about, then start doing it now, you know, because now you'll talk yourself out of it because someone else is doing it. But then a year from now, someone else is going to do it. And then, like I said, again, you're going to think, Oh, I could have been that second person, but now I'm not that either. You know? So wherever you are, you know, start doing the things you want to do. Yeah, Um, definitely. I mean, that's the only way that you're going to, I mean, that's the only way you're going to get them done is to just start doing them. And, and I've seen people say things like, the golden age of X is over. The golden age of blogging is over. There's no point in starting yeah. it now. It's oversaturated. And then you look and there's several cases of people who started like a year ago and they're wildly successful. Same podcasting, <laughs> same with anything. You know, maybe there was a time when it was less crowded. But that doesn't mean that somebody with the tenacity can't do it even when it is a crowded area. 
Totally. Exactly. That's that. That's the whole point is that with podcasting right now, especially in the entrepreneurial space, it's almost people are like, well, there's a lot of copycat culture, a lot of copycat things happening. You know, people see someone successful and they just copy that model. And I'm not saying do that, you know, just copy someone else. But, um, you know, like, let's take, I don't know how many of your listeners will have heard of, uh, John Lee Dumas or Entrepreneur on Fire, but at least within the entrepreneurial podcast space, he's someone everyone looks at and is like, man, that guy's really successful. And he started this thing, you know, two and a half years ago or whenever it was. And it's grown to this like multi seven figure business. And, and, but people, you know, you might be tempted to think, well, he's done that. So, you know, there's no, you can't, there's no room for that anymore. Uh, That's not true. There's plenty of room for that. And um, who's to say that there isn't going to be someone else who starts a seven day a week podcast about entrepreneurship and it's going to be different enough and unique enough and they approach it from their their own angle and and find success as well. You know, yeah. definitely don't definitely don't not do something. There's like a bunch of negatives in that sentence, but <laughs> definitely don't stop yourself from doing something because there's other people doing it. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of considerations here. Um, and, and that's why I keep going back to Seth Godin's book, the Depth, because he talks about those kinds of, uh, the things you need to think about, like, do, do you, I mean, realistically, do you have what it takes to, to complete this to, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be a drummer, you know, do you have what it takes? Um, and maybe you don't have what it takes. Maybe you think you don't, but the point is, is like, can you commit to practicing an hour a day? can you do that if you can then start it you know but um you know just there's so there's so much value in just starting and that's what i have not done my whole life is start things because well i said in the beginning i start things and don't finish and that's true but what i mean also is that i uh um when i say i start things I mean, I don't mean I launch things and then drop them. I, I never actually launched them. I start thinking about them and start preparing for them, but I never actually launched them because uh, it was it would get really hard and it would feel I would feel like it sucks and it's not good enough. Um, but that's why the gym analogy is so good because you know um, it's going to be really hard for a long time, and you're not going to go the first day and then come home and see a transformed person in the mirror, you know, it's going to be a long time and it's going to be a gradual change. And I think success with business or anything works the same way. It just doesn't happen overnight. There are stories. Some people do have, you know, just this overnight success thing. But if that's the case, I think that really has a lot more to do with luck than with them because, yeah, you know, it was, it was more of a right time, right place thing. Yeah, um, exactly. But everything, everything just is, a um, slowly incrementing, you know, progress toward, toward a goal. Yeah. And uh, so that, that, that's been my hardest thing is, is, is quitting before I get to that point. Well, dude, I'm glad to see that you have not quit your current thing yet because I'm really <laughs> enjoying it. So uh, maybe we should start wrapping up because we're getting pretty in, uh, into the second hour of this. I don't so, know how long are your episodes typically? Oh, anywhere from like fifty minutes to <coughs> hour and a half at the lo- at the long end. Oh, nice. So, okay. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't care that much. 
I'm not one of those like it's got to be 30 minutes kind of guys. But totally, yeah. So so I love your show and it's it's not the typical interviews with entrepreneurs to get rich tips and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But maybe you can like explain a little bit what you're trying to do or I guess what it is better than I can. So people will go listen. (laughs) Well, the show is the gently mad and, um, it's, uh, well, it's interesting because I'm kind of torn about it because originally, like I said, it started the show a couple years ago and it was, I was a web designer at the time and it was a web design show where I interviewed, you know, I wanted to talk to the people who, you know, wrote the web design books and spoke at all the conferences and kind of find out more about them and who they were. And, and so that's what I did. Uh, but about back in December, I kind of, for about six months previous to December, I I had really wanted to change the show and do something different. I found myself kind of getting more and more out of web design and there were different things I wanted to do. So back in November, I ended the show and just rebooted the whole thing in December. And I mean, I kept the same name just because I've had that name for everything for the last 13 years, but, um, uh, same name, but, but the show was different. And, uh, this is like exactly, I was doing the same thing as I was just telling people not to do is that, uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a podcast and I'm going to make money from it and I'm going to make an income from it and I can do it. I know the steps, like I know how to do this. And so I, I started creating the show, started doing interviews and it was basically an entrepreneur on fire clone, but just with my personality. And I thought that my personality would be enough to differentiate it. And it, it may have been, you know, if that's what you're doing, I'm not saying to stop doing that, but for me, you know, I woke up one day and just kind of realized like, this is not who I am. I'm trying to, I wasn't just trying to produce a seven day a week show about business. I was trying to be someone else. You know, I was trying to be inspirational business guy and that's just not the guy that I am. And when I try to be that way, it doesn't sound real or inspiring anyway. You know, it just sounds, it sounds fake. It sounds like I'm, I'm acting like poorly acting out a role. And I just thought I'm so tired of trying to make things that will be successful or that will make money. I just want to make something that I want to make. And so that's where the show came from. I just decided as you said, you know, there's all these rules about podcasting. It needs to be a certain length and it needs to, you know, have certain takeaways that, you know, there's all these things that has to be. And, and I kind of just sort of decided I'm going to do anytime I find a, a quote rule about podcasting, I'm going to do the opposite of that thing. And so like my show is multiple times a week. It's long form. Um, it's, it's a mix of, uh, interviews like guest conversations and solo episodes and it's about business but it's also not about business like what it's about at its heart is what we've been talking about like how does one live a meaningful life how does one find purpose and meaning and happiness and and we talk about business and entrepreneurship through through that lens and so um so there are some episodes where it's tactical. It's more tactical. I'll have a guest on and I really want to know how they did X. And so I'll talk to them about how they did that thing. Yeah. But most of the time it's just about who that person is. Like I've had on, you know, um, some more, you know, I, and it's also just not business people. Like, you know, I live close to Nashville. So I, I drive up to Nashville and interview 
bands and musicians and authors and things like that. And so it's a mix of people. And, um, I guess it's, uh, it's mostly about, have they found that? Are they satisfied? Have they found meaning? Have they found purpose? And if so, how have they come to that? And, yeah. and, and, and so some things will be, I said, like I said, more businessy and tactical and stuff like that. And, uh, but most of it is more, um, like, like this kind of conversation and, you know, stuff like that. And I made that show because that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about interesting things with interesting people. And I really didn't think anyone would listen to the show at all. Um, cause I, I do intros that are really long, you know? 10 minutes, you know, I think the longest intro I've done at this point is 20 minutes. <laughs> and at that point, the intro was as long as that conversation that came after it with the guest. And, yeah. um, you know, all these things you're not supposed to do, but I, but that's what I wanted to do. So it was like, I don't care if anyone listens to this or not, I'm going to do this. And, um, and it just exploded out of the gate. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people showed up and seemed to really like it. Um, but as I said, you know, it's been, you know, so the first two months were amazing because I was all over iTunes, new and noteworthy and, you know, new people were finding the show all the time. Every day I was getting, you know, tons of email from listeners and, you know, but like everything, you know, that ended um, and things uh, dipped. Things took a dip. You know, the numbers went down. I stopped getting as many emails. Um if you go to most podcasts that have been out for a while and you look at like ratings and reviews for a show that's been out for like two years, you'll look at it and it's like their last review was a year and a half ago. You know, yeah. um, those things stop happening. And so right now, like the show takes a lot of time because it's long form and I do it three times a week and um, it could easily, I could easily spend full time like 40 hours a week on the show if I wanted to sometimes I do and it's very difficult right now because I'm in that dip and I don't see growth happening um it it has plateaued and, and on, on all that stuff um and so now it's like do I keep going or you know what 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 do I do you know like like you know and and I don't know the answer to that I I think I think I do keep going um and who knows what the show will evolve into, but, you know, I just want to be honest with people that it's not like, a, you know, the first couple of months were this huge success. I didn't expect anyone to listen. And I had 60,000 downloads in the first 30 days. And, and I had, you know, my show, I think in the first week, it was like number two in the business category, which was my main category. And I was like, how is this possible? You know, that it's listed higher than like Dave Ramsey and Tim Ferriss and stuff. And that's just iTunes algorithms. I mean, obviously I didn't actually have more listeners than those people, but mm. that stuff felt great, you know? Um, but when that stops, it gets really difficult, Yeah, you know? Um, we, we keep using the, the working out analogy. I mean, if you've ever done a lot of working out, then you know that the first, when you first start to go and work out, it hurts really bad. You know, <laughs> there's this trainer I used to have back in my twenties and, and, and he was always like, you know, his thing was, he'd be like, he'd be like, it hurts so good, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it, it hurts so good. And, you know, those first couple of weeks, you see a little bit of a dramatic change in yourself. You know, you might have more energy, you feel stronger, you drop some weight, et cetera. 
Um, but then it, it, it just like everything else, it dips, it plateaus and you find that you have to work harder to get the same results as before. Yeah. You get the noob gains. Yeah. But then, uh, it really plateaus for a while. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that most people quit in that plateau. That's, you know, what I've done or not quit. You know, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. There's a difference between, um, between not quitting and doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's, that's not what you should do. It's just keep doing the same thing over and over again. What you're trying to do is to not quit, but also get better, you know, like, um, get better at what you're doing and, Someone, you know, I have a whole part of my course is about growing your audience. Once you've launched, what do you do then? You know, how do you grow your audience? And part of the thing is, you know, you have to spend as much time promoting your work as you do creating your work. And like, think about that. Like I spend 30 hours a week on my podcast and I spend maybe one hour promoting it. And the promotion has to be just as much as the creation, if it's going to grow and if it's going to, you know, so, so I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm experimenting with a lot of stuff. I'm just kind of winging it and I don't know where the show's going to go or how it's going to work out. But, uh, but I'm definitely in like a dip, like a plateau and it, it's tough to put in all this work and not see um, the dramatic results I was seeing in the beginning. And, uh, the key here at this point, like I said, is to get better, maybe change strategies, you know, um, not quit, but to, um, change up my workout, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's just, it's, it's a balance between keeping going, but also introducing new things, uh, changing things up. And if you can do both those things, I think you'll see results and you're, you're still pushing through, which is awesome to hear. And I think you've got a lot of people who stuck around from that initial launch who are very happy that you are. Yeah, definitely. You know, and that's, yeah. And and I am happy about that. And I do have to realize I look at the numbers and say, this is still a massive success, you know, and still way bigger than anything I've ever done before, you know, but it's tough. It's tough when things go down, you know, you you want things to keep going up and to the right. And, and when they take a dip, it's really hard, you know, to keep the motivation there. But, um, but I guess I'm just thinking that it, it will eventually, it will eventually get there if I, if I can figure out how to, how to get better at this and, you know, not, not just keep doing the same things, but get better at it and stick with it and all that kind of stuff. And then you have the whole added pressure of like making money. Like I quit what I was doing. I just shut down all my consulting and freelancing to do the show and the course full time. So I have all this pressure of making money added on top of it, which is really hard. You know, um, I would tell people don't do that (laughs) if, uh, (laughs) if you can, um, I have a hard time. If I have a backup plan, it's hard for me. If there's a, if there's a escape route, I'm going to take it, you know? And so I have to kind of almost just dive in all the way to things. Um, uh, or I'm going to take the easy way out. And so that's how I tend to do things. It's probably not the best way to do things, but uh, that's what I did with this. And so I've had to figure out, you know, how to make money. And, yeah. you know, like right now my only income is sponsorships on the show. So it's, but then I, but then I, if you turn that around, I should be really happy that I have a show that's not even 90 days old yet, 
that I can fully support myself with on sponsors. You know, yeah. I mean, how many people have accomplished that? That's amazing. So, so I should look at it and be happy with that, but uh, it's, it's tough. Like I look at it and see, yeah, but it's not going as well as it was in the beginning. And I'm really stressed because, you know, there's all the weight of, you know, needing to make all this money from the show and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling now. There's just a lot, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. And, uh, I just have to keep, I just have to figure out how to keep improving it, you know? Yeah, man. Cool. So for those that have stuck around with us for an hour and a half, and thank you if you did, <laughs> uh, and if they want to go find your show, listen to you, connect with you, uh, where should they go? Uh, you can go to avclark.com and also thegentlymad.com. They'll both take you to the same site, but hmm. I'm saying both of them because right now it's all avclark.com, but it's going to be changing soon to yeah. just be thegentlymad.com. So you can go to thegentlymad.com and I'm on Twitter as uh, A.V. Clark. And uh, that's pretty much, those are the places and there are links to there from there to my course. And the course stuff is irresistible podcasting. And I'm going to be launching a new show for that site. And I'm going to try to turn that site into what you've done with College Info Geek, just about podcasting. So Yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. Honestly, most of this didn't really feel like a show <laughs> it just felt like a weird like conversation but it's recorded so well, I, I hope that i hope i hope it felt weird in a good way so. <laughs> <laughs> yes weird in a good way <laughs> definitely yeah. i think it's just like a lot more personal than most episodes end up being because most of them are about a subject you know like a topical thing that, that's what everyone tells whenever i'm a guest on someone else's show they're like this is uh the most random show you ever had you know i don't know why i just don't um I'm not a tactics and I'm not a strategery kind of guy. You know, it's just, I like talking about, you know, um, like you said, the philosophical things and meaning and purpose and happiness and all that kind of stuff. And I guess that's just where I get going. So hopefully yeah. it was interesting, at least on some level. Yeah. I think there's, there's a time and place for strategery. And there's mm-hmm. a time and place for philosophy. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to Andrew. I was in New York over the last week and he was asking me about the podcast. He's like, man, your blog posts are all punchy and tactical and stuff. And same thing, the videos and like, have you ever thought like maybe you should do that with the podcast? And I'm like, no, the podcast yeah. is meant to be this meandering, <laughs> I don't know, discovery thing for both me and anyone listening. And I think people listen while they're in the car, working out, cooking food, whatever. They're not necessarily sitting down to learn a specific thing. Yeah. So if they can learn some things, but also just have this meandering process, that's what I want to give them. That's why you have to have a goal. Like you talked to me about your goal to, you know, save a certain amount of money by the time you're 40. So you can sort of retire and live off of that income. And, you know, if you don't have any sort of goal, I know some people are very anti goal and I'm not saying that you have to, you know, you know, you have to turn into like this productivity person or whatever, but, um, if you don't have a goal, you don't know where you're going, then it's really hard to know, like, yeah, should you turn your show into something that is more bite-sized and more tactical and all those things? Like, how do you know the answer to that if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish or, or, yeah. or how this serves that purpose? And so, yeah, yeah <laughs> I found it really important to like try to figure out what the end is, like what I'm trying to get to. 
And then you can kind of reverse engineer from the end back to where you are mm. to figure out what you need to do to get to that point. And which is kind of what you've done with money and is what I'm trying, was that's what I'm trying to do with my career, you know? Yeah. And I guess for this podcast, it's partly that I want to give people some tactical stuff eventually, you know, at certain points, it's very, it's a very good platform for talking to experts, but there's also just this opportunity to sort of show people the thoughts that spur growth of people yeah. a little bit further on down the road. Maybe, you know, I'm done with school. So here's the thoughts that you have as a post-grad, <laughs> you know, people get to actually see that, which is, I, I think that's something that I would have loved to have and did have partially because of podcasting. So I would definitely say in, enjoy your twenties because it, it's not just a cliche. It really is different. Or at least for me, it was different. You know, yeah. when I got into my thirties and you have kids or you have a family or maybe it would be different if I didn't have all that. But, um, it's very different when, I don't know, I look at life very differently in my thirties. And I just realized that, you know, it's not, you know, you don't get a do over, you know, that, right. that would, that would be awesome. If like at the end of life, we could kind of be like, okay, that was my practice run. Oh, let's try this thing over, you know, but you don't get to do that. And so it's really easy in your twenties to think there's just, there's tons of time to figure it all out and I can just kind of goof off and I don't know. I mean, uh, there's balance there too, you know, with enjoying the moment and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, once you're out of your twenties, you don't get them back, you know? So, uh, you know, that, that, those, all the stuff we've been talking about, like if I had any regrets, those would be, that would be what it was is that I tended to kind of waste my time rather than, you know, soak up everything I could from that stage and that experience and just let things come as they come instead of trying to rush into the next stage or the next business or the next circumstance and, and just miss out on what that experience had for me. My phone is talking to me. (laughs) You hear that? Siri wants in on the conversation. (laughs) That happens every now and then. (laughs) Siri will just start uh, talking. So anyway, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's what I'm trying to get across more than anything is just, uh, um, I know when you're that age, it's really easy to try to, like you said, try to, you know, you want to get to the next stage and have a career and be making money and, and, and so, and, but just ask yourself why, you know, for me so much, it was about, you know, I really wanted an Audi A4, you know, that's like my dream car. And I wanted a certain kind of house. And I just had this picture that once I had all these things, that's like you said, when life would start, you know, that's when I would be happy and everything would feel like it was meaningful and I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, and, um, but it doesn't, you know, it just, it just doesn't. And I can tell you, you know, once you get the, the Audi A4 or the 70 inch 4k TV or, you know, the really expensive house that you want. Um, you're not going to be any happier after the newness factor wears off, give it about two months and then you're not any happier. And and then you actually feel, well, crap. Now I have to figure out how to pay for all this stuff, yeah. you know? So it's, uh, just, um, appreciating. Yeah. I guess it kind of comes down to contentment, you know? appreciating what you've got because it will change and you might as well enjoy what you have while you have it. Exactly. All right, dude. But Hey man, thanks so much for coming on the show again. Can't wait to get this out.
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening so long. I know this is one of the longer episodes of the podcast. And I, like I, just I'll say again, it was uh, really valuable for me. And I hope you got something out of it as well. Once again, Thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. If you have any questions about anything you listen to or things like that, uh, questions from you help me to decide what to make next. So I definitely love hearing from you guys. And uh, if you like this show, if it's if it's been useful to you, if you're getting value out of it, one of the best ways you can support it is simply by going on iTunes and leaving it a rating and review. It's pretty easy to do. As long as you have iTunes, you can go in there, search for the College of Geek podcast, and then give it a star rating and then write some quick thoughts about it. Um, that always helps it. It gives me feedback. I love seeing it puts a smile on my face, but it also, <clears throat> excuse me, it also lets it, you know, float up the charts a bit and more people can find it. And uh, I guess that's my goal here to, as to have as many students as possible find this show and hopefully be able to build a better college experience through what they're able to learn here. So, hey, hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you in the next one. Stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.